Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. So we are here and we have an amazing episode, but first we have to allow everyone to be privy to the first five minute introduction that we had to carry because it's just life as it is these days. Nikki still is dealing with, and, and so am I, with the stomach flu and a two and a half year old at home boy. Projectile vomit Projectile all over vomit. the bed. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Yep. It's also the worst because then you're cleaning like the sheets and you're so exhausted and it's everywhere. Yep. Noodles in the hair. Yep. Oh, and in the sheets and your sheets, right? My sheets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not even just his, yours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the nice sheets. (laughs) (laughs) And I um, just had my poor husband who came home (laughs) from his vasectomy appointment an hour ago. So, yeah, Nikki and Carrie were nicely asking, um, you know, how's he doing? And he drove himself to and from the appointment. So um, he's going to be good. He's He's going to make it. And then we jumped into the Mona Lisa regarding urethral burning and how we have to, for women, have to pay like three grand for this treatment that would 1000% be all covered if men were dealing with penile burning. Right, one hundred percent. Like um, the OBGYN that I went to told me it would be working twenty four seven at the hospital for men if it was um, causing if they were dealing with penis burning. But we're not. If it's about vaginas, it's often another story, which I feel like is probably a podcast in itself. Yeah. <laughs> all of these, I mean, we talked about vasectomies and, and, but like, these are all topics basically that we could do single, oh my God. we go there episodes on for sure. Definitely. Well, this is your second time back. So we need to, first of all, officially welcome yeah, you back. Thank, thank you so time. much for having me. I was, I've been looking forward to this. You are so amazing, uh, excuse me, at what you do, uh, Carrie, Thanks. you're a registered nurse, you're a board certified lactation consultant. I'm, I've clearly been up all night long because my voice keeps cracking. Sorry. It's <laughs> okay. I've just been smoking cigarettes for 30 years. Don't mind me. Um, but, but you are, I think, one of the most empathetic care providers and you offer such amazing evidence-based information. So the reason I reached out to ask you back is because I recognized you were posting a lot of new information regarding myth busting and new evidence that has come out around best practices for breastfeeding. And I also have to say thank you because in our push prep course, the interview that you did with me on collecting colostrum has helped so many people. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm, and I'm pumped to talk about these new guidelines. Like 
To be honest, we need to do so much more research when it comes to breastfeeding medicine. Kind of ties into that conversation we had three minutes ago about women's health and and all of that. But I, so I was so excited that there's new research and that there's new guidelines. So these guidelines came out from the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine just last year in 2022, and it has completely flipped how we. So what plug ducts are, everybody's, if you've breastfed a baby, you've heard the word plug duct, right? And maybe lived it and mastitis and mastitis. Nikki's several times, right? I feel like you had it a couple times over. Yeah, three times. Good times. Yep. Uh, It's so awful for women, people who are breastfeeding that are going through it. And and so what we used to think, and it's kind of funny now when when you reflect, like, you know, when you've learned something new and medicine evolves and then you kind of reflect on what practice was, it seems silly. And this is kind of it. So we used to think that this a plug duct was exactly that. It was a plug. And if you pumped enough and you massaged enough and if you dangle fed and if you did all the things, the plug would come out like it was like a cork kind of right oh it would but, like squeeze it like really yeah. <laughs> like squeeze try to squeeze the living daylights out of it to try to make yeah. it you know yeah no. I do and so at, reflecting in my own practice I would have people reach out to be like Carrie I've been massaging 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 and it's so sore and and now what we know is that it's not a plug it's it's inf- inflammation So what happens is these ductals, there's no plug, but they're getting inflamed and angry and that slows the flow of milk. So it feels plugged, but it's not. So now we know that all of that massage was actually making it worse. And you probably have heard like, have a hot shot. Amazing. (laughs) I just went through like massaging the crap out of it and it hurts. Yes, it does. And now we know it actually makes it worse. And so when you think about inflammation, you think about how we treat it. If you have like an inflamed knee or something, we put ice on it and with the old guidelines around plug ducts and mastitis, we would often say use heat and heat can feel good. They're not saying no, don't, but it's actually ice that's going to help alleviate some of that inflammation. So ice is one of the newer treatments. We're not massaging anymore because if you think of something that's angry, like inflammation, and you're massaging and and touching and touching and touching, that's going to make it angrier. That's how I like to think of it. So now it's like, no, like I've done reels where I was like, okay, get your toothbrush and you're going to, you know, the like toothbrush. Vibrator, electric toothbrush. right? Yes. No. I think that's vibrator. what, did you tell me that, Nikki? Oh, electric toothbrush maybe? 1,000% yeah. confident <laughs> I did tell you that. <laughs> well, and that you weren't wrong, right? Like we did think that, but now we know better. So that's good. And then the biggest thing is that we used to say you need to pump, 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 pump. You need to feed your baby, feed your baby, feed your baby. But now we know that um, actually one of the biggest contributors to this ductal inflammation is oversupply. So 
right? Nikki. I'm raising my hand. I, I know. Because yes. mm-hmm. you were pumping and pumping and pumping or yeah. feeding and feeding feet both. Pumping. I was, I was oh. so anxious about establishing supply with my second with Hendrick. All of oh. the mastitis happened with my second baby Yeah, because I had had such a terrible breastfeeding slash exclusively pumping journey with my first. So I was so anxious. And so I thought, I really want to make sure that the milk comes in. And I never had a supply issue in the past. I don't know what I was thinking, but I pumped like within like days of, of, you know, trying to get the milk to come in. And then it was like, like, like watch out world. (laughs) It was like, yeah, the porn star boobs plus plus like, but like, and then, of course, I couldn't, it was too much. And then, yeah, and then, of course, now I'm learning everything that I was doing to try to make it better. better. And, you know, Nikki, I understand why you did that. Because it your past breastfeeding experience, right, traumatic and and supply, right? It, you were working to, to, to not have that same experience, you know. But now we know that... If you pump and pump and pump and you don't just feed your baby on demand, no worries. but now we know that if you have a ton of milk, you are going to put yourself at risk for what we used to call plug ducts, now known as ductal narrowing or ductal inflammation, and that can lead to mastitis. So has probably everybody knows has had it themselves or knows a friend who's like, they call it recurrent mastitis. They're just always getting it. Mm-hmm. And it's because probably um, a couple things. So we, if they are pump, pump, pumping or feed, feed, feeding, you know, doing all the things to try and get the plug out and it's making more milk and that is causing, um, it, it's just making the problem worse. Because that inflammation, there's so much milk pushing, it's pressure, it's causing that inflammation. And of course, that the mastitis is going to just keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing we've learned, so one is um, we know that lots of milk can can cause that inflammation in the ducts. But the other thing is dysbiosis. So that means um, like bacterial imbalances. Um, and so if you think about it, if there's a mom who's having frequent rounds of antibiotics because she just keeps getting mastitis, it's actually potentially making it worse. Oh, no. Right. And I'm not saying that um, you shouldn't use antibiotics because there is definitely a time and a place for for women who have mastitis that need it. Mm-hmm. But it sh- the new guidelines say that it shouldn't be the first treatment. So the first treatment at the signs of like a hot, red, angry breast and feeling unwell, often in the morning, women with oversupply can wake up even feeling that way is ice and SAIDs. So like Advil, Tylenol for the pain and not feeding off that affected breast. Give it a break if you can leave it alone, which sounds so counterintuitive, hey? Yeah. This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. 
You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth. Or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more. What about the kid, like the cabbage? Like basically everything, the opposite. I'm like, but wait, I will. I will want to say one thing too, and I also before. Please don't let us leave this podcast without talking about the demer. The dis. I'm totally. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dysphoric. What's I see? What is it? Oh, it you know must when, be Friday. It's when that that feeling that some women get that brings on int- incredible sadness and, anxiety. and like depression oh, yes. and anxiety when they're nursing. It is a thing. And also, yeah. um, like I had really major like heart palpitations to the point that I thought it, I didn't realize like heart murmur feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, while nursing? Well, when my milk was coming in, yeah, which I didn't realize was linked to that because I had blood, low blood pressure issues, yeah, sorry, high blood pressure issues. So I was like worried about that. But yeah, anyways, so we can it's come just, back to that or talk about it. Well, think yeah. about how hard your body's working to yeah. to bring in milk. Like it's really an incredible thing. Dysphoric milk ejection reflex. There that. it is. There oh, it is. That's what it's called. Demer. Yeah, demer. D demer. is an acronym. Yeah, D dash M E R. Yes. So it's a rare condition which some breastfeeding women experience that you feel negative emotions seconds before the letdown reflex. And so is that also linked to like the, is it the same thing when they feel like extreme anxiety? Is that kind of one of very similar? Yeah. Yeah. Like negative emotions, depression, anxiety, like over. and, And it's just like, we need to dive into that. Like, do you, have, do you see clients with that? Karen? Yeah, from time to time. To be honest, I haven't seen a, a lot of it in my practice. But the women that I have, on top of all of those feelings, there's the guilt that they even feel that way. Mm-hmm. Because, right? Because you, society tells us you shouldn't feel that way. Like, if you're feeding your baby, this is your breastfeeding. It's a beautiful thing. It's a natural thing. La la la. Mm-hmm. All the things that you see on the internet. So that's complex. It's a challenging thing to treat too, because there's like, it's like a hormonal thing that impacts, you know, um, neurotransmitters in our brain. Like it's, it's complex. And there's no like quick tip for that by the sounds of it. No, no. It's, I think the biggest thing is recognizing and, and education that, that mom, that's what she's going through. Because I think, we don't talk about it a lot. And then these women end up feeling horrible that they're feeling horrible about breastfeeding. And, and so to, to normalize it in the sense that it is actually something, this isn't something that they caused or that they're not bonding with their baby and that this is their fault. It isn't, it's the furthest thing from it. I, I know that even once they, are aware that this is what's happening to them, that level of anxiety is at least taken down a notch in the sense that it's not something they're doing or in their control per se. Yeah. And name, just being able to name it, it does mm-hmm. sound like it's, it's 
it's not like it, you know, to differentiate people listening might be like, well, what's the difference between this deemer and generalized anxiety or postpartum depression? And it sounds like this is very specifically tied to feelings specifically right before that letdown happens. That's right. And then it It, goes away. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it, I think it can, it's right when the milk lets down and it can be throughout the feed. It's very centered around sitting in that chair at wherever you are and nursing the baby. Whereas anxiety, which is really common, again, probably a whole nother topic for a podcast. Uh, As, as parents, I think, I know in my practice, a lot of the parents I see are working through anxiety um, just because I think life is busy. Social media sends messages about what parenting should look like, which then makes us nervous that we're not doing enough. And then layer on past experiences in our own lives and then trying to navigate parenting through that. But anxiety is different in the sense that that's like a, a day and a night thing, not just centered around feeding. Although breastfeeding and the feed, the challenges that come around that, um, it, I think it's actually bringing it back to these new guidelines. I was so impressed that that actually is touched on in these new guidelines is that we need to address as healthcare professionals the, the link between breastfeeding challenges and anxiety and other perinatal mood disorders because there's a link between women who have frequent plug ducts, and I'm using air quotes, and mastitis and um, perinatal mood disorders because you could think it's clear to see why if these women are always kind of battling this this, you know, waking up, feeling awful, needing antibiotics on repeat, of course, they're going to start feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to share one thing. And I'd love your thoughts on this, Carrie. So I talk a lot about castor oil for reducing inflammation and C-section scars, reducing adhesions. I mean, Lexi knows I like saying you still do them. I still do the castor oil packs. Like I literally do because I still have inflammation above my scar. So I, it's my favorite thing to do because it works so well. Yeah. So I do, I did it on my quote unquote clogged ducts. And that was the one thing that helped me the most. Well, there you go. I've heard talking about that. And so interestingly enough, I I can understand the, the theory behind it. In these guidelines, it says not to use those. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I'm just, I mean, <laughs> that's you're like, um, you think with inflammation. Like, no, that, I, and that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. And, and you know what? This is the other thing. These are guidelines. Everybody has their own stories, their own sets of circumstances and what works for them. I think that it's important to put that out there too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but that being said, they, they don't, they don't recommend it, but there are options like so women and I don't want like as a nurse and a lactation consultant on here, I can't be like, okay, hey, take this, take that. But there are new guidelines like um, sunflower oil and soy lecithin. They're recommending taking those orally if you do struggle with this. Mm-hmm. That can help. And so I think it's along the same um, lines, right, in, in terms of. Uh, castor oil versus, but this is a systemic thing because we need to reduce that inflammation from the inside. But the biggest thing is getting a hold of their supply. And this is tough, but if a woman has a lot of milk, and I would bet if um, a mom is struggling with recurrent plug ducts or 
mastitis that she has a lot of milk. And the biggest thing we can do to help her um, like stop it from happening is getting control on her milk supply and working on that dysbiosis. So if she's had a lot of antibiotics, it's actually in the guidelines um, that they should maybe consider probiotics. So I think it's cool to see how our guidelines are evolving to, to say, whoa, 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 not just antibiotics. Let's, let's think this through. Like what is causing it and how can we help it resolve so that we're not just slamming this poor mom with antibiotics every time she gets um, sick and, and has mastitis. Yeah, we need those new, I mean, new evidence coming out is fantastic. It's one thing I do think that is challenging is when you've got this narrative that's been going on for so long, like it takes a while for practice to catch up, which is why I was like, you need to come on the podcast. We need Thank to talk you. about this because people are still going to be so doing true. reels about toothbrushes on their boob. And and you know what? It is hard. Because, oh, true. It is. Oh, I didn't know this. And, I, that, yeah. and, and, and we have trust in our healthcare providers. And I am not slamming anybody because I think as a general health practitioner, like say you're a family doctor, you have to know a lot about a lot, right? And so they may not know these new guidelines and they're doing the best they can. So um I I like using my platform to share and, and I appreciate you having me on here so that uh, women and families and parents can can learn and so that they can advocate for themselves too. Because the cool part is, is that lots of the new recommendations, so if you catch it early, uh, ICE, Advil, let's leave those breasts alone, just feed the baby on demand, not extra or pump just as you need to if you're an exclusive pumper, not extra, that can help stop things. The other thing is, is reach out to like a lactation consultant or somebody who can help you take a look at why is this happening in the first place? Because that's really the big takeaway I took from the new guidelines is it's not so much just trying to treat, trying to treat, but it's treating the underlying issue that's making this stuff happen in the first place. Love that. Mm-hmm. And I totally did it to myself because I totally pumped like way too much. And but I that know that wasn't your yeah. fault. <laughs> but you know, I guess no, but I get why. Because think about your first experience. That was yeah. traumatic in itself. I see, I see women do that, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and I understand why. But then you end up with a new round of challenges yeah. on the second go. So that's too bad. Lexi here. Okay, so let's shift to another under-the-radar, not-so-hot topic for a minute. Body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? Ten years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At Wax On, we've invested in top-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. 
And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. What's the recommendation okay. in uh, in when you should start pumping? Because I feel like that varies. I mean, and everyone has their own kind of method I've just yeah. heard conflicting kind of reviews on when. So I think that might be good advice yeah. to prevent oversupply as well. It's it's so tricky because there's oversupply, which yeah. is like... Like ugh. naturally you have. Like, right? yeah, like and it, it's hard. And then there's undersupply and we want right. to avoid both. And I think we're really scared of undersupply as, mm-hmm. as parents. And... The reality is what happens in those first few days postpartum really does determine what your supply is going to look like even six weeks down the road. There's research that shows that. So it's like if we overdo it, Nikki style, right? (laughs) We (laughs) (laughs) We might end up with challenges six weeks from now versus if we don't stimulate our breasts enough, we know six weeks down the road, we might not have enough. And so what's what's the best practice? It really depends on your circumstance, but if you plan to breastfeed and that that's, um, it, you really should just be able to feed your baby. If you are putting your baby, and that came out wrong, you should, because you, what you need to do is just either hand express or pump or feed your baby every time they cue to feed. You shouldn't, if your baby is going to the breast and nursing, I hate to put an hour limit on it because every baby's different, but here I'll throw out the eight to 12 times in 24 hours. Some babies are gonna do more than that. I would hesitate with less in those first few days because of the risk of jaundice. But if your baby's doing that and they are sucking at the breast and you can see it and they're not falling asleep, then there's no need for extra. But don't you think that there's kind of that undertone of worry and fear out there that you won't have enough? Totally. Mm-hmm. And like not like banking supply, like you're not banking supply. I feel like that's right. You gotta you gotta work for the gold medal in the Olympics yeah, of like, like building it. the freezer stash. Like we, like we all of a sudden put this like extra pressure at the baby's seven minutes old and you're like, oh yeah, you know, and like look at you, Lexi, like you're working, you're doing all the things. So I'm sure there is that pressure in the back of your head. Like I got to have enough for these babes. I bought a freezer. It's right beside me. I could show you. (laughs) I bought a freezer because I was like, okay, well I had good supply with Clark and I ended up having to bring like freezer bags full to my brother and sister-in-law's house to use their freezer (laughs) for it. And so I, I was having twins. I'm like, oh, I, Adam's like, you are going to be a cow. Like we're going to need a lot of space for this. So we bought a freezer. I probably put five bags in there and like, that's it. Like single bag, that's it. Five bags went through it so fast. And 
So, and I was producing enough to feed both twins yeah. and feeding an hour. They'd feed like at least an hour. And like all of that was great. And thankfully I had a night doula that was coaching me of saying like, no, your supply is like doing great. I know you're, I kept feeling fearful that it was low. Yeah. So yeah. because I wasn't experiencing what I did with Clark, which was like, oh, I would, I, cause I pumped a bunch with Clark as well. And I would bank it or I'd gain like a full bag through the haka. Cause I was feeding one baby right on one boob yeah. and I'd haka the other one. And so, yeah, it's, it's very, the first experience can lead so much into how you view your second experience. It can. And I, I, so let's say, so in those first few days, that's not the time. I have to go because my little guy is freaking out downstairs. He's sick right now. So I'm going to hop off. This is mom life. We're going to keep it real. You guys finish this conversation, but I think I have to intervene because he's not doing well. Feel better, baby. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, no, thanks. I love you guys. Yeah, good to see you. You too. This is truly keeping it real as well. Honestly, (laughs) I feel like it is. Um, What I was going to say is those first few days are like postpartum. Even those first couple weeks, that's for just establishing feeding itself. Don't look into the future. I know that's challenging, but it's not about trying to build a freezer stash. Think about it as just establishing your supply. So how do we know if your supply, quote unquote, is being established? Is your baby having enough wet and dirty diapers? Is he gaining weight? Um, Is he settled between feeds? Is he waking for feeds? Once we check all those boxes, then you can start being like, okay, I'm going back to work. Because this is a reality for a lot of women, like depending on where you live and where you work. Um, And if I think it's important to note, you don't have to have a freezer stash to go back to work. But I will say I can I can recognize why you would want one Mm -hmm. because it decreases the anxiety. Do you feel anxious like um, having to keep up? Yeah, for sure. And I've incorporated formula, like their night feed is formula before they go to bed. And then now, even the more I've been in the office and I'm away and like, I'm not pumped. Now I'm just exclusively pumping. Okay. I was feeding tandem and then they got bigger and didn't love being on the boob at the same time. Yeah. So, and I couldn't, I have two other kids. I couldn't be like sitting there with them for that much time, you know? So I now exclusively pump. And my supplies definitely dropped and I don't have a bank of, in the freezer. So Adam and I are going away on next Friday for Ooh. one night and I, we're going to for our five-year wedding anniversary. Good for you. And, you know, they're going to have formula the whole time, obviously. Yeah. They don't have anything. Oh, the little guy just came to say hi. Hi, Bubba. Like, oh, his poor little face. Yeah. And Sad eyes. It's so sweet. So I, um, yeah. So, but does it feel like I definitely, it's crossed my mind of, oh, okay. So they're going to formula the whole time. And my fear is more because I have two other kids around and their immune systems and wanting to make sure that they're, you know, have all these antibodies that they're getting from my breast milk, even though I know very well, like formula is great and they're totally fine on it and it'll keep them healthy and fed and all of those things. I still have this element of feeling guilt. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's 
it's complicated. Yeah. And, um, like a couple things, like one is just like some tips. So if you're pumping and you want more milk, the more you can hands-on pump. So meaning massage, like, and back to those guidelines, it's even that gentle compression while you're pumping is not equivalent to the massage that I referenced that we shouldn't be doing anymore. This is fine, but we know now that hands-on pumping actually, um, helps express up to 45% more milk than if you pumped without it. So that's a good thing. The second thing I would suggest is making sure that your flange fits properly. So that's the thing that actually sits on your nipples. Yeah. And so what I see a lot in my practice is that women are really nervous about them being too small like where you look and it's kind of a bizarre thing, right? If you've seen your nipple pull into that flange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if they're too big, you're going to to express less milk. Um, and that's actually, I think, a change in practice too. You know, it's not official. It's not in those guidelines. But uh, And you don't want it too small, but definitely snug. It shouldn't right. hurt, but it should be snug. If it is, you're going to express more milk. And then lastly, I think it's important that if women are breastfeeding and then adding extra pumps because they're working on building their supply, because that's a reality uh, for some women, is that you need to know that you're not going to express a full feed and not to get discouraged. It So women that are breastfeeding their babies and then adding those extra pumps combined, they're going to get like half an ounce to two ounces. And that's right. not very much. And a lot of women think, oh, like I don't have enough when that's just not the case. When you're trying to bank some extra supply. That's right. That's right. And so the if you are trying to bank some extra supply, if you're going away, like, I also don't want to f- put the fear in people that if you, if you pump extra, you're going to, you know, end up with oversupply and, and mastitis. I wouldn't pump a ton extra in those beginning days, unless you were told you needed to, to, yeah. and your baby wasn't feeding at the breast, then that absolutely is necessary. But let's say breastfeeding is established. He's 10 weeks old. You're trying to go on a date night or go away for the right. night. It's fine to add in an extra pump. The best time to do it for the most volume would be during your baby's first nap, like in the morning time or, um, put the hawk on like it through night feeds and stuff where we know your prolactin levels are higher. So those are just a few tips in that regard. But then on the other side of things, going to what you said about like how you kind of feel bad and guilty. I think that that's, that's like the challenge of, of parenting right now in, in the world that we live in. I think that the internet is a beautiful place, but I also think it's really, really hard. And um, I see clients on Thursdays. That's when I see feeding clients virtually. And I spend a lot of every session kind of myth busting, um, breaking down the messages that are coming across on the internet, you know, and, and I think it's easy for me to say, but I mean it <laughs> like if, if women could just like see them, how I see them, 
because every mom that sh- or parent that shows up on my screen, I just think, holy, that you're incredible. You signed up for this meeting with me because you have all of these questions and I can see how deeply you care for your baby. You see with all the people who just follow on Instagram and ask questions like, I think as a society, we are so engaged as parents right now wanting to do the very best for our baby. But sometimes that can, if if you look too far outwards, you start to really second guess yourself. But I know, Lexi, I love following you. And I hear you say you feel guilty, but I'm like, oh my God, girl, like I see you just doing all the things and how loved your babies are and um, how you feed them doesn't change what kind of parent you are. Yeah, no, I I thank you for that. It's, it's so it's interesting, as I went through this time, because having had our last conversation around breastfeeding as well, talking to some of these things, and then now going through it, and having like both lenses of feeling the feelings of, okay, well, now I really do need to stop tandem feeding them because which will end up being me exclusively pumping um, because I don't have the time to feed one and then the other. Yeah, right? yeah. And so me making that decision and it was a decision that I can't spend and be the best mom to my other two babies, like Piper yeah. four and two um, while I'm sitting here for an hour with my other two babies, but making that decision and knowing innately, like this is likely going to impact my supply and like all of yeah. these things and the domino effect of that. It was so funny because I was like two people talking to each other in my head because I'm like, I understand the things that you've coached on. It's like, it's fine. Like this is, I'm making a decision for the best of my family and myself because right now I'm sitting here feeling guilty about not being a good mom to my other babies while I'm sitting feeding my other babies, you know, like, and it truly comes down to, like you said, like we're just incredible for even considering all of these options, like, right. And thinking about it in this way of, okay, feeding this baby and then taking care of this baby and trying to make the best decision for your family and yourself, I think is what it comes down to. So you were in my head all the time when I was going through my feeding journey with the twins, because that was, you know, a whole different it is it is breastfeeding twins and even just baby to baby like how Nikki was saying her circumstance her journey was different and I I use the word grace and I feel like sometimes I get pushback from women who are like oh grace like you know like I feel like that's all I give myself and I'm like well it's an important component Mm -hmm. of the human experience (laughs) you know is that we're doing the best that we can and I just, I just feel so proud (laughs) of all the families that I get to interact with because I'm just like, if you only could see you how I see you, you know, and I appreciate the fact that you have both sides going on in your head. And I think that's a reality for me to say, just think how awesome you are and you are a great parent. If only it was that easy, but I would, my advice would be if it, if you're really struggling to have that even narrative at all, that conversation, and it feels very, if you feel very doubtful and very negative, I would even book a feeding consult with somebody because Mm -hmm. that's a really good place to start because we can, we can talk about feeding and your journey, but then it's also about building a connection with somebody and maybe getting hooked up with resources in your community. Because I think that 
we do so good at caring for our babies and our children, but I do not think that parents should do that at the expense of their themselves. I think that there's a way for the entire family unit to be healthy. And so um, if, if you are struggling and listening to this, it, you don't have, like, you can reach out to anybody that you feel comfortable with, but it can start with, you know, a lactation consultant to have this conversation, a nurse, you know, anybody on my team would be happy to have this conversation. That's so, so such good advice. And, um, and I'm sure people will appreciate the invitation to be doing that and permission almost to give themselves to do that. So perfect lead and can you tell everyone and remind everyone where to follow you because your Instagram's amazing and it's so so much good like resources and information that you supply in like such a great digestible digestible way sure so on Instagram I'm at the dot mama so m-a-m-a dot coach and I've recently joined the TikTok world, which nice. honestly, um, I have a almost 15 year old son and he came home. When was that? A couple days ago. He's like, mom, you're on my friends for you page. And <laughs> he was horrified because his mom's teaching about breastfeeding on TikTok and it showed up. I laughed That's so amazing. hard. <laughs> I love that. So same thing on TikTok or my, our website. So the Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for coming on again. And I'm sure we'll have you on again. You're just like such a great resource. And also I feel like anyone who's experiencing breastfeeding or about to like go into the, you know, having a baby and breastfeeding, um, is listening to this and you have a calming nature about you naturally. Like you can tell how much you care. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and just know that I am like rooting for you. I see your Instagram stories and I'm like, look at her go. She's raising four babies. She's working. Like, I'm just, I I'm rooting for you. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And hope Hendrick gets better, Nikki. Oh, totally. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.